lift up your hands to the heavens. In the next minute, you want to thank the Lord deliberately. You want to bless His holy name for His loving kindness, His mercies, and all the great things He's done for us. Can you lift your voice and begin to thank Him? Come on. Be very deliberate. Thank Him for every good thing that He has done for you. Thank Him for what He has done for you this week. He's been so gracious. He's been so gracious. He's been so gracious, Lord. Your mercy is endured forever. You are so loving. Such a good God. We bless your name and we give you praise. We ask that tonight you rain down the spirit of revelation. That we will align to your will and purposes for our lives. And that we will never be the same again. Thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. Please be seated. Hallelujah. 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 I'm excited tonight because it's time for the word. Thank you, Father. So, um, when you read the book of Matthew chapter 21, the verse 13, Matthew 21, verse 13, the Bible says, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. But ye have made it, made it a den of thieves. Now, Jesus quoted from the Old Testament when he came to the temple expecting them to be um, praying in the temple he saw them doing business in the temple and of course a lot of illegal businesses were going on there and Jesus reminded them of the original purpose or the original reason or intent for which the temple was made and Jesus said that my house shall be called the house of prayer. He actually quoted this from the book of Isaiah chapter 56, the verse 7. This is a verse from the Old Testament. He says, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Now observe that. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Hallelujah. So apart from the burnt offerings, the sacrifices, 
and all the various items and gifts that were offered um, in the temple, the primary purpose of the temple was for was for prayer. prayer. I'll give you an example uh, practically of how it was done in the Old Testament. Now, give me the book of Acts chapter 3, the verse 1. The book of Acts chapter 3, the verse 1. Now, the Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the what? Uh, you're not here. Into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Which meant that the temple had a time of prayer. Which agrees that the temple had a certain time that was observed for prayer. Which confirms what Jesus said in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 56 and Matthew chapter um, 21, the verse um, 13. So, the original purpose or the primary purpose of the design of the temple was for prayer, which is fellowshipping with God. But the good news about what I'm teaching is that when you read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, the verse 16, the Bible says, Know ye not that ye are what? The temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth where? In you. Now, remember in the temple, there were three compartments. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies, right? So, in these three compartments, the Holy Spirit was dwelling in the Ark of Covenant, which was actually in the holy of holies are you following this now there is a major revelation here this is a breakthrough he says know ye not that ye so so when Christ died and rose from the dead from the book of Acts we saw that the church was now transitioning into a, a progressive revelation that was now awakening so for example they thought that the temple was the place of prayer they, they didn't know that they were the temple going to the temple are we following this so in the book of Acts we see a transitional progressive revelation of what Christ had done so they were still offering animal sacrifices by the time Jesus had died and rose up on the third day are you following this but Paul, by the spirit of revelation, remember we said the epistles are the word explanation of Christ. So he says that know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now that re should remind you of the very compartments of the temple. It had an altar court, he had a holy place, he had a holy of holies and God dwelt in the holy of holies telling us quickly by divine intelligence that the believer's body is now the outer court his soul is the holy place and his spirit is the holy of holies are we following this so now when we say your body is the temple of God act 
actually, where is the Holy Spirit dwelling? In your spirit. Please, are we following this thing? So, we are told that now in the New Testament, temples have changed. And for your information, the word temple in Greek is naos, which actually means shrine. So he's saying that, know ye not that your body is a shrine of God. Following? When you read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19, you're going to see the same reality there. He says, what? Know ye. So the major problem of the believer is revelation. Revelation knowledge. So Paul is asking what? Know ye not. Know ye not. Know ye not. So your knowing of these realities can change your life. He says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which ye have of God and you are not your own. Now mind you, we said the primary role of the temple that was built was for prayer. It was called the house of prayer. Now with the New Testament, you are called what? The temple of God. Guess what? What is your primary role as a child of God? That means your primary design as a child of God is So I just worked out an equation. We just had the answer. So just like the burnt offerings, sacrifices, we also give offerings, sacrifices, but our primary role in the midst of those functions is to pray. So you can't give offering and not pray. You can't give tight and expect that your tight has tightened your prayer. Is someone getting this thing here? So, remember, the offerings never replace the primary role. Likewise, any other spiritual activity you ever do must not take the place or replace the place of prayer in your life. Because prayer is your primary role. Anytime you make it, (laughs) I don't know if you're ready for this. Anytime you make prayer a secondary role in your life, you are close to be called a den of thieves. The very activities of your life will become illegal. I'm teaching you there. They moved in the hour of prayer. That means now that you're the temple of God, you must have an hour of prayer in your life. Listen, the journey of pleasing God begins with being with God. I repeat myself again. The journey of pleasing God begins with being with God. Because until you are with God, you won't know the outlet, the detailed arrangement, the instructions that God will require that will make you please Him. So, you must be with Him to know what He wants which pleases Him. So, I have seen many Christians trying to please God outside of God Himself. 
Is someone following this? So the journey of pleasing God begins with being with God. No one can ever please God outside the parameters of constant fellowshipping with God. It's not possible. So anyone who says he wants to fall in love with Jesus, he wants to know Jesus. And that same person making that prayer or that confession doesn't want to pray. The person is fake. So you hear me see, running away from prayer is running away from destiny. Prayer is hard, we know. But it's the only way God designed. It's hard. We all know it's hard. But actually, it is hard for those who don't have revelation. In fact, it becomes harder. That is why you must keep on feeding constantly on the revelation of prayer. Because the moment your revelation of prayer begins to dwindle, your passion for prayer goes along with it. So your revelation of prayer must remain fresh every single time. I know what I'm saying. That's happened to me. I assumed I could pray because I've prayed for some time until my passion to read about prayer, study about prayer, get tips on prayer. When I realized I I began going down on the revelations I'm supposed to hear to ignite me to pray, when I realized I'm rejecting them, I saw something happening to my prayer life. This is the secret I'm teaching. When you stop growing in the revelation of prayer, your passion and desire for prayer will also die with time. So I quickly look for a book or listen to my own teachings or find a teaching that will reignite the passion again. Because hear me, if you want to keep a consistent prayer life the first key is revelation insight into prayer because you see it is only revelation that brings transformation only revelation that brings transformation he says do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind So, revelation is the only key to transformation. Nothing else. So, hear me. If we don't solve the issue of revelation, we can't solve the issue of transformation. So, if your life is not changing, it's because your revelation has not changed. So, without a revelation of prayer, the passion of prayer or the passion for prayer will be compromised. So the first key to keep or maintain a persistent prayer life is revelation. And that's why tonight I just dropped the bomb to your spirit that as you are moving now, you are you are now a mobile temple. You know, the former test, um, uh, the Old Testament temple was static. They had to come to it. In the New Testament, God made a mobile temple. It's movable. It can be transferred.
It's a mobile temple. That means, the, you see, God's temple now is not advanced. His technology system has advanced. At first, the temple was static. Now it is mobile. I'm teaching good here. So now, by this revelation, you know you are called. See, so see, the house of prayer is your name. That's your second name. You are called the house of prayer because that's supposed to be the name of the temple which you are. So tell someone, I am the house of prayer. One more time, tell someone else, I'm the house of prayer. So listen to me, it is an illegality to function without prayer. If you are not praying as a child of God, Jesus calls you a den of thieves. Remember, he didn't say that it is called den of thieves. He says, you have made it. So, in replacement to your house of prayer system, you can choose to make it a den of thieves. That's a choice. So, what are you making of this body you have? Which means that technically, your body is not functioning well when it's not praying. Not praying is body malfunctioning. <laughs> I repeat myself again. Not praying is body malfunctioning. You will not function well. Your body will not function well. That's why last can hit you because the body is malfunctioning. Wrong thoughts. Wrong thoughts will come to this mind because the body is malfunctioning. It's, it becomes a door opener. So it's simple. Without prayer, the believer's body is not functioning well. Your spirit, your soul, and your body will never be in alignment. Have you realized the oneness among the Godhead? The same oneness in a tripartite being is experienced in the place of prayer. Your spirit, soul, and body come into alignment in the place of prayer. If you don't pray, what is happening is that your spirit believes something else. Your soul is in Kumasi and your body is in La Paz. They, they all have their own way. So what is going to happen is that you rebel against yourself. Because your soul has its own structure. Your soul, your spirit has its own system. Your body also is going somewhere. This in prayer we bring a tripartite being into alignment. You realize they synchronize with God. They fuse with God. They become one in alignment. There's no rebellion. I'm teaching God here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're so good. Thank you, Lord. So last week, we began to look at prayer manners and etiquette. You know, there are table manners. Likewise, there are prayer manners. In other words, if you don't understand these manners and etiquettes, you are a bushman or spiritual bushwoman. 
like I said, for example, if, um, you know, according to the white man, when you're on the dinner table, you're supposed to put uh, the knife in your right hand and the fork in your left hand. If you don't do that, they call you a bushman or someone who doesn't have table manners. They said, when you are eating, you don't talk. These are all manners. I don't know if you have some of them. Those of you who read Good Manners and Etiquette. Give me some. Mankind. It's okay, let's go. <laughs> you didn't read it. Yeah, I understand. Myself, I didn't read it. So, we said the first manner and etiquette of prayer is that you pray when you feel like. And when you don't feel like praying, you pray more. That's the first manner of prayer. I won't explain because of time. Number two, we said pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And when we say in the name of Jesus, we are saying in the authority, in the boldness, in the delegated authority of Christ. So when we come to God, we are not coming in our name. We come in the confidence of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's, 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 the, it's the manner and etiquette. Number three, we said your heart is the center of effectiveness in prayer. Never pray with a bitter heart. You are wasting your time. Check the structure, the posture and the gesture of your heart anytime you are praying. If you realize there's something seriously hurting, bothering your heart in the place of prayer, expose it to God. Because you can honor God with your lips and your heart is far from him. David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. So your mouth and your heart must be in alignment for your prayers to be accepted. That's what the Bible is teaching us. Number four. Believe God is, hears, and answers prayer. Anytime I come into prayer, this thing must convict you. Like, you must just know it as, at your fingertips. You must believe that God is. That means he exists. He hears and answers prayer. If you come to God in prayer and you doubt whether God is even hearing you at all, that's bad manners in the spirit. In Hebrews chapter 11, the verse 6, it says, For without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. First Peter chapter 3, the verse 12, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. So I said several times here that the moment the believer opens his mouth, God opens his ears. You must know these things. So you never at the point pray and doubt that God is hearing. Psalm 65 the verse 2, it says, Oh, thou that heareth prayer, unto you shall all flesh come. All flesh comes because he hears prayer. So you come to God because you know he knows how to hear prayer. It is God's skill. It's an attribute, an ability of God to hear prayer. Hallelujah. 
Number five, we said you need to understand the key approaches in prayer. You don't just enter your father's bedroom whilst he's sleeping at 5 a.m. and tell, Daddy, give me milk. If your daddy is quick-tempered, you get some slaps. Because there is a protocol for approaching the father. In as much as he's your father, and you have right to ask him, there are protocols. We call that the protocol of reverence. So, you must show some respect. So, remember, he said, our father, the model prayer, our father, who art in heaven, it acknowledges the father-son relationship. He didn't end there. He said what? Hallowed be thy name. That's the place of reverence. Hallowed be your name. So, we said the first approach you need to understand is the approach of what? What we call communion, which is adoration, praise, and thanksgiving. That's how we enter his presence. Psalm 100, he says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise and I will be thankful. So you don't begin prayer by binding demons because the first focus of prayer is not Satan. He that cometh to God. So the first focus of prayer is God. Are you following me? So we start by adoring him. We call that ministering to the Lord. The early church knew that. In fact, Samuel in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3 knew how to do that. 1 Samuel 3, 1 to, to 3. He ministered to the Lord at the temple. So ministering to the Lord is not asking. You. That's not asking. You are reverencing his presence. It's a protocol. It's a protocol. And the child Samuel did what? Ministered unto the Lord before early. So we call us speaking to God in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You minister in thanksgiving, praises. You are blessing His name. So before you start asking God, praying intercessory prayers and all that, you begin by worship, praise, and thanksgiving. The second approach is what we call intercession. So before you ever start asking God for your need, you must first meet the needs of God via intercession. Intercession is standing in the gap for others while you yourself have a need to pray about. And hear me, one of the ways of knowing a Christian is matured is when he begins to intercede for people. Because it's hard to have a problem and you have to pray for someone. So today when we say we are praying for Russia, the person is like, I'm not a Russian. You see, it's a sign of you are not close to God. Because if you are close to God, the heartbeat of God becomes your heartbeat. The pain of God becomes your pain. The burden of God becomes your burden. So what is hurting God hurts you. That's someone who now understands God's purposes and counsel. So believers who pray self-petulant prayers are believers who are just selfish. They just come to God for what God has. They come with their needs without thinking of his needs. So every intercessor is a powerful man. 
So, if you want to know powerful people before God, raise an intercessory prayer. You realize we say we are praying for India, we are praying for this, then they are just there. When we say we are praying for business doors, This too shall pass away. You have not seen though, but you are not powerful. God cannot entrust you with nations. He can only give you bread. And that's all. And those who exist as Christians to get bread from God. To get bread from God. Pay my school fees. Give me food to eat, Lord. I'm broke. <laughs> you know, you get it. Yes. But is that all there is to Christianity? When we get to heaven, eh? Those who are in there, highest ranking as generals, those who have the medals, they're not part of them. Because the medallions of heaven are given to men who are intercessors. I'm teaching good here. That's why we call out for prayer meeting for prophetic this thing. You see the, uh, the whole church is full. Not even here. I'm talking about generally. You call out for 12 hour intercession. <laughs> you see? So these are the areas where we see maturing Christians. And Christians who, what bothers God bothers them. You see it in prayer meetings. You know what the man of God said? Uh, Leonard Hill. He said, if you want to know how popular a church is, check their Sunday service. If you want to know how popular the pastor is, check Sunday evening service. If you want to know how popular God is, check their prayer service. <laughs> he said, if you want to know how popular a church is, check their Sunday morning service. You want to know how popular the pastor is? Check Sunday evening. If you want to know how popular God is, check prayer meeting. Most of the prayer meetings is actually an evidence of how popular God is. So, people don't like prayer meetings. And it is in prayer meetings we do business with God. And they don't like it. And that is the powerhouse of power. There is no believer who ever walk in power without prayer. It's not possible. There's no shortcut. Mm -mm. There's no back door. You can't do it without prayer. You can't do it without prayer. You can't. It's impossible. I'm teaching with you. And the, the third approach is what we call petition. As for this teaching, you hear it for the next 20 years because you must align. Praise God. Now, so we're on today's message, right? Number one, six. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Whatever is received by prayer must be maintained by prayer. Whatever is received by prayer must be maintained by prayer. 
For example, you started doing some 3 to 5 a.m. prayer. You wake up at 3 to 5 a.m. And as you started praying from 3 to 5, you started picking some prophetic signals. You just lie down and all of a sudden you have some dreams. Prophetic dreams about people and about yourself and it starts coming to pass. And you start realizing that thing was getting better and deeper. After four months, you stop praying and you are still expecting the visions to flow. Forgetting that what prayer gave you must be kept by prayer. Hear me? It takes more prayer to keep what prayer gave you. <laughs> it takes more prayer to keep what prayer gave you. If prayer gave you a car, it takes more prayer to keep it. If prayer gives gave you a job, it takes more prayer to keep it. If prayer gave you a son, it takes prayer to keep it. If prayer gave you a daughter, it takes more prayer to keep because if not, that child will go wayward. So hear me, it takes more prayer to keep what? Prayer gave you. So whatever is born by prayer is grown by prayer. Whatever is born by prayer is maintained by prayer. Don't forget this money. Number seven, because of time. Are you ready for this bomb? It's a good bomb. It's a good bomb. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. More prayer, more power. Very simple rhyme. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. More prayer, more power. Someone should print it and put it in his room. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. More prayer, I'm on fire. <laughs> Are you following this thing? Hear me. Prayerlessness leads to powerlessness. <laughs> and prayerlessness leads to profitlessness if you are not productive in prayer you will be unprofitable in life if you don't give yourself to prayer you will be powerless as a child of God because prayer is the engine room for God's assignment. Write this down. Prayer is the engine room for God's assignment. Every machine has an engine. A computer has a system unit. A car has an engine. A generator has an engine. There is something that powers it. If that thing is not there, it can't function. Likewise, prayer is the engine room for God's assignment. Don't forget that. So if you break prayer, you break your engine. So simple. 
Am I helping someone? Because of time, let's move quickly. Number eight. Because I'm, I'm going to give you 18. Number eight. Prayer will take your strength, yet it is the source of strength. If I were you, I'll print this. Prayer, manners, and etiquette. And I'll paste it in my room. Prayer will take your strength, yet it is the source of strength. You know, you come and pray, and then you are like, a pie, a pie, By the time you are done, you are tired. So your strength was taken. Actually, that was how you traded for spiritual strength. So any strength that is from above will take a physical strength out of you. Any strength from above you want to get, you must exchange it with strength from beneath. I repeat, any strength from above you will need, you must exchange it from strength beneath. <laughs> the book of Isaiah chapter 40, the verse 29. Let me read that from my own Bible. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I love you. I love you, Lord Jesus. Isaiah chapter 40, the verse 29. He said he giveth power to the faint. Now, this is something God does. Anyone who needs power, God can give it to you. It's not a problem. Power is not God's problem because he is the powerhouse of power. He is his source of power. He is actually described as an omnipotent being. He is all powerful. In fact, the power in the devil was outsourced from God. So Satan is functioning on God's account. Just that he had corrupted the power God gave him. But the, the source of that power is from God. So God is not just mighty. He is almighty. God is not just powerful. He's all powerful. Are you following this? So he says he given power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. This is good. God can give power and God can increase strength. This is powerful. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. I love the 31. What did he say? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew his strength. It takes some strength to wait. And I've told you the basic understanding of waiting is pray. Jesus said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. They didn't go and sit down and wait. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, the Bible says they were in the upper room praying with the women also, which means women also pray. Are you following me? So, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So, we exchange divine strength with physical strength. So strain your strength in prayer to have a strength from above. So it's a trading. It's a trading. Huh? If it, uh, it's a butter trade, the strength of God comes when you have given your strength to God. 
That's why prayer will cost you something. Prayer is a price. Hmm? Prayer has financial, spiritual financial value. It has value in the spirit. Every see, are you aware that every sweat in prayer eh, is collected in heaven? So listen, not every sweat is normal sweat. Listen, listen in the spirit realm, eh, <laughs> there are serious matters. So I wish I could go into it. Are you following what I'm saying? Every sweat in prayer was not waste. So if you don't sweat in prayer, <laughs> anyway, that was just by the way. That was just by the way, but I'm just telling you that if every sweat in prayer, every tear in prayer is even collected. David said, my tears have now collected in a bottle. Go and check the Bible. So, there are, you see, it's not tears. So, don't go and sit home and cry and expect that God is collecting your tears. <laughs> Please, are you following what I'm saying? I'm talking about tears that are naturally from prayer God will collect it and put it in heaven's lap then they will just do some tests to see the potency of the tears <laughs> I'm teaching good here so likewise if you prayed you, and your sweat was falling on the ground it didn't fall on the ground it fell in heaven <laughs> Can we move on? Yes, number one, number nine. Ah, I love this one. Anytime you decide to pray, oh, sorry, anytime you decide to build a consistent life of prayer, the devil, the flesh, and the world will fight you with all they've got. Anytime you decide to build a consistent prayer life, the devil, the flesh, and the world will fight you with all they got. This one I've explained it several times. I don't need to explain it again because it's self-explanatory. Because there's no mystery about the devil. There's no mystery about the flesh and there's no mystery about the world. We all know what the world has been doing to us. We know all the distractions. The very time it is time to pray is the very time your appetite tells you to go to Facebook. And you just decided, let me just spend five minutes to just check something there. Then you open reels. <laughs> then, then one minute becomes five minutes. Five minutes becomes 30 minutes. 30 minutes becomes one hour. Then you now, you know that what you're doing is not going well. You know it's in your spirit too. But hey there. <laughs> then one hour becomes three hours in your mind you know, I have to go and pray but Eddie the world the world this world sometimes you want to pray all of a sudden some strange hunger will hit you you are just hungry can't explain the moment you finish saying amen the hunger goes All these, is, all these things are attacks. 
Sometimes you just want to pray. All of a sudden, you feel tired. We've seen people, I mean, when we are having ministers all night meeting, they will sleep. Ah. <laughs> the moment you say, lift your voice and begin to thank the Lord. Father, we thank you and we bless you. He said, ah, how did he get the energy to thank God? Because he has been sleeping throughout. But he said, Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor, Lord. Then he knows that. He said, Lord. <laughs> it's a big mystery. And the person will start talking, talking. <laughs> It was attack. <laughs> hey, so you realize that there are sometimes you just wake up, you want to pray, then you are dozing. So if you are praying from four a.m. to five a.m., you will doze and sleep from four to five. The moment you say amen to yourself, then your eyes open wide. You are able to get grace to browse. All these things are attacks the enemy sent. And if you don't have manners to discern that these three enemies will come at you with all they've got, you'll lose. Please, are we following this? So I won't explain too much of that. Number 10, the 10th manner and etiquette of prayer. Don't be a slave to your prayer system. As for this one, eh, it will save many of you here. Because I was almost trapped by that. It got to a time I believed in my prayers more than my faith in God who answers prayers. You can be trapped with it. You think you're a prayer machine. You think you're a prayer general. Time is going to come. You believe your prayers more than the God who answers it. Listen, it is very possible you can replace ritual for a relationship. Or replace a relationship for ritual. A time is going to come, if you don't take care, eh, your prayer life is going to be like a ritual. This is what I do. So you just come, you just do it, you finish. Jesus was not the goal. Clocking time was the goal. Have I clocked the six hours? Okay. I've not finished. Let me clock the six hours. Yeah, I finished six hours. In as much as it is great, be careful you don't replace a relationship with God with a ritual. I know what I'm saying. I said I've fallen short there before. So the time came, I was more conscious of the time in the prayer than the relationship I'm enjoying and the fellowship I'm enjoying with God. You see, Satan is smart. When he realizes that he couldn't prevent you from praying, now he's going to end up making your praying a ritual. You see, so Satan has it. the guy is a trickster. You make so Satan will say at, at every point you are not free. <laughs> Satan. I'm teaching good. So listen, learn to sometimes adjust your prayer plan. And I'm going to explain to you. It is not every time. So if you wake up every, every time in the morning and then the first thing you do is you just speak in tongues. If you don't take it, a time is going to come, there's going to be boredom. It's a spirit. It happens to everybody. 
when human beings do things consistently for a long time, there is a tendency for boredom. Whether it is spiritual or physical, you'll be bored. Do you know you can even watch movies to a time that you are bored for watching a movie? <laughs> you don't know this thing. So, so, you can be bored with your spiritual activity. So, that is how come you can get to that place. You don't feel like praying again. It's not that you don't feel like praying. You have done it for some time the same way that now you have lost the joy in doing it. So, listen. Learn to listen to the Holy Ghost in you to adjust your prayer structure and system. There are times you are speaking in tongues, the Holy Ghost says, give me only thanks for the next three hours. Listen to him, oh. So you only give thanks. Thank you, Jesus, for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for the business. Thank you for the great things you're doing for me. Thank you. You've just been thanking him about so many things for the next one hour. There are times you just want to pray them. There is an inner sense to do only worship. But your, your, the system you have built is telling you that, hey, if I do only worship, then I've not clocked the praying times. That means that the worship was not prayer. Has it happened to you before? So you say, then, no, no, let me stop the worship so I can do the prayer, so I can, listen, be careful. I've been there before. Now, don't also deceive yourself. Eh? To try to replace laziness with the voice of God telling you that today, don't pray. Lie down in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> today, don't pray. Be still. Be still and know that I'm God. <laughs> Be very careful about that one too. So, listen to the Holy Ghost. Now, listen to me. Design a prayer plan, but what I'm saying is that make allowances. Because there are sometimes the Holy Ghost will lead you. I'm not saying every single day when you come, you are led. Keep the discipline. There are occasions you'll be led. But when you always come, Holy Ghost, what is in for today? You'll be in trouble. Most of the time, people who just want to put everything on the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, which color of dress will I wear today? Blue or red? He says, wear red. <laughs> Holy Ghost, what shall I take for breakfast? Who knew they'll be doing for breakfast? Take cocoa and buffalo. Okay. Holy Ghost, please, which boy shall I say yes to? <laughs> Very soon. Holy Ghost, which shoe am I wearing this morning? I did some some years ago. <laughs> I said, whatever the Holy Ghost says first, that's what I'll do. <laughs> so, whatever I'll take, I said, Holy Ghost, which one do you want? <laughs> it's spiritual maturity. So I said, everything. I said, Holy Ghost, which way should I pass? Pass here. Where should I sit? <laughs> hey! People who do that will soon enter into error. You will surely enter into error. I know what I'm saying. You enter into error. I'm telling you. 
Now you go to a place, he says, Holy Ghost, is he a witch? Or is he? <laughs> he said, that's a witch. You go and call someone a witch and you'll be in trouble. That's a familiar story. Thank you very much. When see when Satan realizes you are like that, he will help you. He will, he will sponsor you. <laughs> he will sponsor you. Holy Ghost, show me where to go. Satan said, <laughs> Brah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please, are you getting this thing? So I'm not also saying that be so over spiritual and people come talk to you. They're like, good afternoon. Please. <laughs> good afternoon. Peace be unto you, my brother. <laughs> How are you doing? Shalom, shalom. <laughs> hey! Some people have scared us. So. I remember some time ago, you know, I wasn't praying like the way I'm praying now. But those times, some guy, he has a big face towel. Big one like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Hey! They will feel like some small boys. He's coming. any of them. So, you know, that is it. See, let me tell you something. Even Jesus was not that over spiritual. He even ate in people's houses. He was free. So listen, see, spirituality is no stupidity. Because people have lost friends by that also. Jesus had friends. He visited some people, even made friends with tax collectors. And he ate in his house. So Jesus built strategic relationships. Those times when I was on campus and the fire came, I said, I don't want to be with anybody. I, don't want to, I just want to know the Holy Ghost. See, so that kind of spirit, you don't want to know anybody. You don't want to keep relationships. Master, relationships are important because a time comes, a relationship becomes assets. Build quality relationships and still remain spiritual. I'm teaching good here. Be a friendly person. Amen. How did I even get here? Maybe the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody. Hallelujah. So listen, don't be a slave to your system. Listen, at first maybe you were looking for a job, you didn't have a job. So you were able to do four, five, six hours a day. Then you had a job. Now your job is not giving you the time required to do the six hours. Please don't say, if you don't do the six hours, you have disobeyed God. In my prayer structure, in my prayer room, every single day is supposed to be six hours. But since we started a building project, I have not been able to click that six hours. 
Sometimes I do two hours. I don't feel bad. Because I know I'm also under grace. And I'm not taking advantage of grace, but the system has made it so. There are times I'll be in the prayer room, my wife has to bring my daughter because she has to go and bath my son. So I have to collect the child. So I'll be praying that it's a distraction. But you see, let me even add this to it. Sometimes make allowances for distractions. Because listen to me, if you are so extremely strict and distractions comes, you think your prayer didn't go. Sometimes make allowances for distractions. Because listen, you see, God always checks our motives. He knows it when you are faking it. He knows it when you are deliberately distracting yourself. And he knows it when they are natural distractions. So don't be so, feel, don't feel bad that I've been distracted. I want to pray. They don't want me to pray. Why? Be very careful. God knows you are living with four people in the bedroom. He knows you are living with three people in the bedroom. So he knows that sometimes you'll be praying now, roommates, what a fool. <laughs> I don't know how this thing happened yet, but my car, my car. Then you are in the spirit, you are worshiping the Lord. <laughs> One foolish guy in the bed. <laughs> Unplanned. <laughs> then, listen. God will still answer the prayer in the midst of the smell. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. So make allowance for distractions. Sometimes distractions will come in your prayer. One man said something that helped me. He said there are times you will have to use distractions as intercessions. For example, you, you were seriously in prayer and then your daughter came to bang in the room. Use that time to pray for your daughter. You were inside the room and somebody was disturbing. When you went to find out, it was your mother's sister. Use that distraction to pray for your mother's sister. When it happens that way, none of these things move you. Because if you focus so much on distraction, you think the prayer didn't work. The prayer wasn't powerful. The prayer didn't go well. Don't live with that mindset. No. When you have the mindset that every distraction can be a prayer topic, at every point in time, you just know you are praying. Because there's nobody who at the point not have distractions in prayer. I'm telling you. So don't be easily angry because I've seen people who have gotten angry and they destroyed their prayer because of their heart. And sometimes even Satan can use distraction to trap you. So now you are enjoying the prayer, then you are angry. Now the, the shape of your heart has been distorted. And because of the anger, no, 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 no. You can convert your distractions to intercessions. I'm teaching you some manners. Manners. Manners in prayer. It will help you. So don't be a slave to your prayer system. Don't be a slave. You decided you're going to do four hours through or something happened. You couldn't do the four hours. Don't feel bad because God checks motive. Hear me. 
Maybe you heard a testimony of someone who is praying six hours and your job does not allow you to pray for six hours. And what you can do is that uh, you can do two hours. The desire you have to pray for that six hours and what you're able to do within time is two hours. To God, you could have prayed you could have prayed six hours. He takes that two hours as six hours. And mind you, there are times people who are praying eight hours, when God checks the calendar of their time and seasons, eight hours is what they are supposed to do because God knows they have time. And there are other people too who don't have time and God has allocated that this one can do one hour. When the person fulfills one hour and you do your eight hours, you are the same in the spirit. Am I teaching good here? So this point I'm making is very important because I have seen people who have destroyed themselves praying. So now the prayer is just only mechanical. It's just katabadaba, katabadaba. They don't feel the prayer they're praying. There's no feeling in it. When you get to that place, you can be evil and not know. Because everything is covered up. So the tongues becomes a makeup. Am I helping somebody here? Good. This one, I wanted to say from next week, but I'll open it up to you. That's the last one. We'll continue from next week. Now, this, this particular manners and etiquette, if you take it up out of prayer, your prayer life will not be sweet. Are you ready for it? Postures and gestures in prayer says a lot about your seriousness. Postures and gestures in prayer says a lot about your seriousness. Or postures and gestures in prayer says a lot about your prayer. You know, people just think that, oh, when we are praying, as long as we are using our mouth to talk, nothing else matters. Listen to me. The Bible is a self-revelation of God. There are people who walk with God. These things that God was honored with, that's why he permitted them to be recorded in the Bible so that we can learn through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we may find hope. So these things that were written aforetime was written for our learning. So hear me. Postures are important because there are people who prayed with postures. So we learn from them. And there is a reason why postures are important. When I say postures, I'm talking about lifting up your hands when you're praying. At times, you just be praying, just lift up your hands for like three, four minutes. I bless your name and I give you praise. I give you glory and honor. Now, you may be doing a fiscal thing, but actually it's having an influence on your heart. I'm coming this. You are praying sometimes, you just kneel down for five minutes. So you kneel down on a chair. Get me a chair here. So you are praying, then you kneel down on a chair, then you put your hands on the chair. Lord save them today Lord save them today you were praying that prayer kneeling it is a posture of the physical making an impact in your heart it puts power in the emotion in prayer 
I'm telling you something seriously. So kneeling, bowing down, lifting up hands, tears, these are all postures and gestures in prayer. I can give you a lot of scriptures. Give me the book of Psalm 95. Psalm 95, the verse 6. Now look, he says, oh come, let us worship and do what? Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So kneeling and bowing are postures of relating with God. For example, you go to a chief's place, there's a way you greet the chief. Chief, sometimes you bow with one leg. Sometimes you salute. These are postures you may take for granted, but if you don't do it, you have a problem with the chief. I'm not saying that without doing them, you have a problem with God, but I'm teaching you how to express a certain level of reverence. If we do this for human beings, how much more God? You know, sometimes people can come to a place and say, listen, in the New Testament, we must feel free about what we want to do. We can choose to speak in tongues, sitting, crossing our legs. Listen to me. God is a being. He's a personality. What you can do to a person that can make him happy, you can do to God and make him happy. If not, look at Ephesians chapter 3, the verse 14. The apostle of grace never neglected postures. Look, he says, for this cause, I do what? I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a serious matter. So Apostle Paul actually added postures to his praying. Let me tell you something. Start introducing these postures. You realize your prayer will shift. Your consciousness of God becomes wider. It grows large. There is something about God that fills your heart when you engage in those reverential postures. Look at the book of 1st Timothy chapter 2 the verse 8. The apostle of grace again. Look, he says, I would therefore that men pray everywhere doing what? Lifting up holy hands. Now the Bible is saying every Christian hand is a holy hand. That's why you have to be careful what you touch. <laughs> hey, that thing has done on me. <laughs> Holy hands. Hey, Where my mind has taken me now. Behold, we both Oh, I said both float too. Make a boflut, minkashi. Minkashi. We see boflut. Holy hands! Hey, this one you must be afraid of. This is yano. Alaju kofi ashon sayo. Holy. This is yano. This is yano. He says, lifting up what? Holy hands. So the hands of the believer and the hands of the unbeliever are not the same. That's why it says that you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Because there's something special about your hand. He says, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So there are times you pray with your hands lifted up. Oh Lord, I bless you. You are good. You are kind. I 
give you praise. There are sometimes you mix them. You kneel down and lift your hands. These are postures. Learn to do them. It will shape your prayer. These are manners and etiquettes you must learn in prayer. Sometimes you can even use kneeling to inform others that you are praying so they shouldn't disturb you. It's a pusher. Yesterday I was looking for Father Charles to do something for me. When I got to the room, he was kneeling down, bowing his head. When I knew that, I knew he was praying. I didn't have to call him. That posture was an information. That the father of many nations is praying. (laughs) Hallelujah. So hear me. I'll show you something. You see, scripture must break our pride I'll show you something right now open with me to the book of Luke chapter 22 Christians have my basso look Luke 22 the verse 41 you're going to see something even Jesus himself used prayer postures look as he withdrew or as he was withdrawn from them about what a stone cast, he what? Kneeled down and prayed. So Jesus observed prayer postures. Who are you? Who are you? He knelt down and prayed. Jesus is God. Made flesh. He knelt down to God. Listen, in every prayer, learn to observe postures. I know what I'm saying. They help to shape the angulation of your heart. They speak a lot about the reverence you have for God. Do you know the way it can be rude when an elderly person or elderly people are gathered around you and you have crossed your legs chewing gum? It's a gesture. It's a posture of rudeness. When you go to the States, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're in African tradition, it can be rude. Likewise, there are protocols in the spirit. And one of them is observing postures in prayer. The postures actually minister to God and it ministers to yourself. It makes you aware of God. It makes you conscious that you're in the presence of a being that is higher than you. And that changes how you pray. It intensifies the prayer power. It intensifies it. You try praying with postures. You realize that something will shift. Yeah. Is someone blessed today? Now lift your hands. Now I love to practice what we teach. Because the more you practice them, you, you experience the reality of these things. Now, in the next five minutes, all of us are going to assume one of the postures. The three major postures are bowing, kneeling, and lifting hands. Are you following me? So, every one of us is going to assume a posture that makes you comfortable for the next five minutes. Pick one right now because whichever one you pick, you can choose to mix the three. 
You can choose to do uh, lifting hands for two minutes, kneel for one minute, bow down for one minute. You can choose to make, but make sure you assume a posture. You want to pray to God. First of all, you are thanking him, you are blessing him. Now we are doing practice of prayer. These are secrets that bring power that many Christians don't know. Let's assume one posture. Take a posture. Lift your voice and begin to bless God. Express your reverence for him. How you honor and adore him. How you hallow him. Lift your voice and pray. Oh dear Lord. You are God and you are good. You are the king of kings and the lord of lords. David says that you are great in Zion. For your name is great and greatly to be praised.